from a body that will never sin, looking for a city that will never end, waiting for the one that's my hope within, my Savior, my Lord. The one that bought me with his precious blood, the only one that could ever be good, the one that in my place Together, lovely now. He is the rose of Sharon, the dew of youth is on his brow. The one that found me when I was lost, the one that paid the terrible cost, the one that hung on Calvary's cross, my sin did to pay. Everlasting love within the veil, he's the priest above. The one that called me undefiled is love, my bridegroom, my love. He's the lily of the valley, altogether lovely now. He is the rose of Sharon, the dew of youth is on his brow. Beg at his feet at the table of grace, he gives me a seat, and in him salvation complete, my Redeemer, my Lord. One of these days he's coming for me, and all of those bought at Calvary, then with him forever we'll be our Savior and All right, here we are at another Sunday evening. There's no stopping the march of time, is there? It just goes on and on and on like a great ship in the midst of the sea. You can be on deck in the daytime. You can either play or if you're in a service, you work or you sit around. And as you sleep, ship just keeps a-going. It just keeps a-going, plodding endlessly, seemingly, through the ways, but I tell you what, it gets there, and that's how life is. It's like being on this big ship, and it just keeps going day and night. See, and it's a, quite a journey. Let's see where we are. We are in Matthew 20. Matthew 20. We have been on the parable of the householder that hired some people to work in his vineyard. We'll read that, because uh, it's a good story. You won't forget it. Chapter 20, verse 1, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. 
And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I'll give you. And they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. And saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Well, go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. And when even was come, the lord of the vineyard said unto his steward, Call the laborers, give them their hire, beginning from the last to the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. And when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. It's not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, go thy way, and I'll give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. Let's bow our heads. Father, want to Again, ask thy blessing upon this portion of the word as we close it out tonight, asking thee to teach our hearts about the goodness and mercy of our God to all kinds of people, whether they're hired in the beginning of the day or at the end of the day, the result is the same. And it's the goodness of God that does this, as we have seen in the reading. We ask thee to teach our hearts tonight. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. It's hard to review when we've been in this two or three weeks. Uh, we naturally could have closed it down early, but I've never seen this parable the way I have seen it this time. It's it's really interesting. Uh, about the penny, you know. You see... We have a penny as the least of our coins. A penny, in our estimation, is despised. You see a penny laying on the ground, uh, you may pick it up or you may leave it lay there. A penny is the very least in our money system. But we're not talking about that kind of a penny. When our Lord, in verse 2, says, When he had greed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, this knowing that the householder or the one who is called the Lord of the vineyard in verse 8, that's our God. And what he is offering to those who go into the vineyard is eternal life. So you see, the penny represents eternal life. And our God can't give anymore. 
The wages couldn't be any better. They couldn't be any higher. Yet we find, as we represent the very first ones that go out to be the nation of Israel and the Jewish people, complaining because God wants to give the same thing to Gentiles that did not have to labor under the Ten Commandments, under the law, under the physical sacrifices, under living in Israel, all the difficulties that it, uh, go along with being under the law. That was tough. There was, <laughs> there was no football games on Sunday, no water skiing on Saturday, no picnics, no going fishing half the day and Saturday and there are half the day on Sunday. They, they lived under the law and it was rough. That's the heat and burden of the day. And there weren't very many out of that bunch that got saved either. Especially those that had the wonderful deliverances out of Egypt. Oh, how marvelous the things that they saw. Didn't do them any good. God on the other side, we grumble about the leeks and the garlics and you took us out to kill us and we're thirsty and we're hungry and grumble, grumble. Never remembering that the Lord opened the Red Sea and they walked through it. Never remembering that he stopped down the walls of Jericho, opened up the Jordan River and they walked through that. You see, those are great things. That he smote the rock and water gushed forth and followed him all the way through the wilderness. See, they didn't remember. It's kind of like us. Huh? Short memory. Real short fuse. Get mad at things. Well... We want to see verse 3. He went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. I want to talk a few minutes about that marketplace this evening. The world is like unto a marketplace where there are many idle persons not yet sent in the vineyard. What are we talking about? We're talking about the whole world system. We're born into the world. We're creatures of this world. You and I are flesh and blood. We're born into the world. If you happen to be born into a spiritual, interested family, that's great. You will learn something of the Bible. You may learn a lot of the scriptures. You may learn how to be thankful to God for things that you have because you're taught that. But that's not your nature. That's not your experience. So we are all products of the marketplace. And, and you notice according to our verse verses that we have here that the people don't work at the marketplace. Every, every time the Lord went there they were standing idle in the marketplace. Okay? They just stand around idle. But this is where all of God's children come from. I want to show it to you in Ephesians 2.3. I'm going to give you a little description of the marketplace where you and I come from. Among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. What did we do? 
we stood around the marketplace idle. Now, the world is no place for God's servants to work in. God calls them out of the world into the church. We are using the vineyard now as the church. God also calls the vineyard Israel. That's his vineyard. But just for our story, we're going to call the vineyard the church. Now, there are two very distinct places, the world and the church. I want to show it to you, 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 18. But be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Boy, that's a lot in there. An awful lot in there. Yoked together. Same yoke. One pulling one way. One pulling another way. One pulling downward. One pulling upward. That makes it even worse. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And yet you're going to find that many of our friends, many that we are close to, are infidels. They're worldly people who care nothing at all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 16, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Can you imagine you and I being called the temple of God. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. You would think that would make us super people, though, wouldn't you? You would think that we would think better, be able to do things stronger and better than anybody else, even with our bodies, if the Holy Spirit dwells in there. But it's not like that. It's not like that. We are not a super people. God dwells in our hearts and minds and the Holy Spirit does not control our bodies. It's not like demon possession. Demon possession can make a person very, very strong. Can make a body very, very strong. The Holy Spirit does not work like that. But there's always exceptions to every rule like that. And, of course, God gave Samson strength. There's always an exception and a, a breaking of the rule. Gave David super great accuracy. He gave him strength also to kill a bear and a lion when he was a young boy. So there's always exceptions. We're talking about generality, you and I. Verse 17, 2 Corinthians 6. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you. Come out from among them. It's the hardest thing for a person to do. 
is to get rid of their good friends. Because your good friends will only tear you down. You don't do them one bit of good apart from witnessing to them. Now, if you're true to their soul, they'll leave you. That's a way to come out. Somebody insists upon bothering you, insists upon being with you, talk to them about Christ. Talk to them about God quickening your soul. Talk to them about your hope in Christ, your hope in the Scriptures. And they'll leave you. They won't abide with that. That's a way to come out. But you see, man fears man. You have a fear of offending people. Fear of what they'll think. Maybe what they'll say about you. And we're fearful, little, shrinking beings. And we shouldn't be. And in verse 18 he says, And I'll be a father unto you. Ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That's while you're living here in this flesh. Sons and daughters. What kind of bodies... We all going to have? Don't know about that. Says we'll all be like Christ. No marriage in heaven. No boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands and wives in the church. We're all part of the bride. All males. No matter how fearless the preacher could be or how Anything part of the bride. You gotta remember that. And yet the new bodies that we receive in the resurrection are to be like Christ's body. We won't go into that anymore because the ladies don't like the fact that it's a possibility that we're all gonna be alike with resurrected bodies. That's God's business. We see how he handles that. However he handles it, it'll be much better than you and I can comprehend. We should be able to see it in the scriptures, but maybe we don't see it right. We leave that to God. What's nice is we'll never sin. No matter what kind of body we have, we will not ever again be called a sinner. And you see... While we have these bodies of flesh and blood, and while time exists, and while this is the gospel uh, and, uh, era, whatever people are kind of famous for, it sticks with them. Now, Rahab in the Old Testament was a prostitute. By meeting these young men and hearing... Only stories about Israel and their marvelous God. God regenerated her soul, quickened her, gave her a compassion for those spies of Israel, took them in, saved their hides, and made them promise that they would save her and her family when they came to destroy that marvelous city of Jericho. Now listen, this thing was walled and so had such a great fortress that there was no other nation anywhere was going to take Jericho. Their walls were tremendous. What I'm getting at is the fact that Rahab is still called the harlot. It stuck with her. 
Then uh, Mary Magdalene, we know that the Lord cast out seven demons out of her. Uh, the things that people do, stick with them. Doubting Thomas. Thomas doubted. Okay. Peter denied the Lord. But when we have our new bodies, there will be no handles that represent our old sinful natures. Rahab will no longer be called Rahab the harlot. Okay. That's another marvel of our resurrected bodies. Now, talking about this marketplace where they stand around idle. Now, a person may be very successful in the world. The world, the marketplace. They may plan, labor, and reap rich benefits in this life. Yet this person is called idle. Because he has not been in God's vineyard. No matter how much you labor, what kind of, how many hours of the day you put in, anywhere else, you are still idle because you're not laboring in the right place. You're idle spiritually, and to go further than that, you're spiritually dead. Dead in trespasses and sins. Now let me give you a little example of this in Luke 12, verse 16. Luke 12, 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You see, he was in a mar marketplace. He was in a world. And he had labored, and he had harvested, and he had much. And according to our parable, all he is considered is as idle. All the wicked unbelievers are idle people in a marketplace, no matter how much they work, right? One of the reasons is, is that they live in ignorance and darkness. Turn to Ephesians 4.15. The description of all of God's people before God regenerates them or quickens their heart. Ephesians 4.15. Did I say 15? I meant 18 having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. You see how what ignorance does to a person? It alienates them, separates them, keeps them foreign 
to God. Alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Now what comes first? There's so many things in that verse. Darkened understanding. Ignorance in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Their blindness is because their understanding is darkened. Darkened and blindness goes together. It feeds ignorance. And an ignorance is said to be because of being blind. So one feeds upon the other. person is ignorant. They love it because they love darkness. They love darkness and love to stay in ignorance. What's this ignorance about? Ignorance of things in the world, science, languages. No, none of that. Ignorance of spiritual things. Ignorance of the value of their own soul. Ignorance of Christ. Ignorance of the scriptures. Ignorance of God. These are the things that people ought to specialize in. And they don't. So what happens in verse 19? Who being past feeling. And heaven help anybody when they're past feeling. Once you get past feeling, you're, you're in trouble. There's a time when God may... Approach your heart with the gospel, lay it out to them, and they will totally reject it, even though their conscience is stirred. When they get past feeling, they give themselves over under lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. I've never seen a person so totally given over to lasciviousness, past feeling is this person called Madonna that's out there making millions upon millions and millions of dollars by being past feeling and giving herself totally over to lasciviousness and uncleanness. But the world likes that. This is showing you the thermometer of the world. They love uncleanness. And the more uncleanness there is, the better they like it. To the tune of multi-millions of dollars going into this unclean person's account every day. And then to this person that's so successful in the world or in the marketplace has a natural dislike for God. We'll find that in Romans 1. Turn to the first chapter of Romans and it just can't help but show itself. Romans 1 verse 28 and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Now who is that descriptive of? That's everybody. That's people that have a natural enmity in their heart to spiritual things and to God. A natural enmity. Not just an enemy. Enmity. Just can't stand it. Okay? They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Well, if, why did they do them if they weren't convenient? 
because they made them convenient. They made time, they plotted, and they planned to do any unclean thing they wanted to do. To be convenient means to be normal and natural. They, well, it wasn't normal and natural to them. They made it that way themselves. Being filled with all unrighteousness. Is that a thing? No, that's a general description. And then what's the first thing that goes with unrighteousness? Fornication. Always in this world. Sins of the flesh. Started with Adam. Why do I say that? Well, Adam wanted Eve more than he wanted to obey God. Adam decided to stick with Eve. He wasn't deceived. Adam says, I'm not going to leave her go by herself. Oh, I just love her so much. I'll take my chances. And ever since then, man has had that in his nature, fornication, love of the flesh. And then wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God. See, that goes right back to verse 28. Did not like to retain God in their knowledge. I said it wasn't just a not liking. They're haters of God. Despiteful. And then with all those things, they're proud. Proud. Proud of their education. Proud of their family. Proud of the car they drive. Proud of any gift that God has given them naturally, whether it's in athletics or in poetry or in music or in a good memory or anything. Proud. And they're haters of God. And then boasters. Inventors of evil things. Disobedient to parents. Disobedient to parents goes in with haters of God, goes in with people of fornication and wicked. That's right. It's all in the same list. Any one of these things goes right along with the others. Disobedient to parents. Without understanding. Covenant breakers. Without natural affection. Implacable. Unmerciful. Who knowing the judgment of God. How they know that? Well, the scriptures declare that. And God not only has that as a witness, he's given man a conscience. Every man knows that there is a punishment due the evil that they do. Your conscience would tell you. You don't get away with things without your conscience telling you. So who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not in our government, uh-uh. They're worthy of a long, drawn-out trial that costs thousands and thousands of dollars, and then a little slap on the wrist or a few days or years in jail and let them go. Hey, it says these things were all worthy of death, and the conscience knew that. But they not only do the same, but have pleasure and them that do them. See, that's these in the marketplace. These are the kind of folks that the householder went to the marketplace and mingled among, saw them all in all of their activities, 
the descriptions that we just gave you, and yet invites some to come work in his vineyard. And there's where you and I came from. All right, now let's look at verse 9, Matthew 20. Matthew 20, verse 9. And when they were, and when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. Now, I'm using this penny as the best that God offers in the gospel. He wouldn't have offered those that he hired at first something of no value. The penny here is eternal life, is salvation. And those at the eleventh hour are like Gentiles, like you and I, that are the last ones. In God's time plan for human beings, as we're getting near the end of time, that he brings them in at the eleventh hour. We're not under the sacrifices. We're not held in check by the ceremonial law that you can't cook this or that. You can only travel so far on the sixth day, on the Sabbath day, rather. Uh, we're not bearing the burden and heat of the day like the early Israelites did. And yet when God reaches down and delivers a sinner, they get their penny. Today, like any other age, when God had saved his people, what they received was the penny. Okay? Now the Jews never could see God saving Gentiles. They don't like that. To this day, they don't like that. Those that stick strictly to the Jewish religion see it only for the Jews, even though the scriptures in the Old Testament say he's a light unto the Gentiles. Okay, let's read on a little bit more in this parable. Verse 10, but when the first came, they supposed they should have received more, and, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house. What? All we get is eternal life? All we get is salvation? Why, we have kept the scriptures. It was our fathers that wrote the scriptures. It was our scribes that rewrote the scriptures, guarded them. And there's promises in there that we are supposed to be the number one people in the world. But we're not. Look at us. We're just another people in the world called Israel. You see, God's not slack with his promise. When God has promised that Israel will be number one, they will be. But right now, at the eleventh hour, when the money was paid, 
They murmured because Gentiles were saved and that's all they got was salvation offered to them. So this is going to show us that everybody gets saved the same way. They get a penny. They get saved by having a Redeemer. They get saved by having God's blood pay for their sins. That's in a vineyard. You see, nobody gets that apart from being in a vineyard. Remember where they came from. They came from the marketplace. And yet the vineyard is where you work. Now, is salvation according to works? Is it by how much work you did? No, that just goes to show you. It has nothing to do with the work you did. Those that came in at the 11th hour got the very same thing than those that did all day. God's not unfair. If somebody earns something, they get it. But this is talking about eternal life, the greatest of all things, and they, as a Jewish nation and people, despised eternal life because it was in a person. Because it was in a Jewish person named Jesus Christ. No, they wanted something different. They wanted something more. They thought they had more coming. Well, that brings us to a great doctrine our Lord is talking about. Verse 14. Take that thine is and go thy way, and I'll give unto this last even as unto thee. Nobody tells God or even suggests to God how he runs the show. Now those that worked first thought they should get first in line to get paid. It happens to be that they are going to be the last to get paid. When the times of the Gentiles is over, then all Israel shall be saved. The first shall be last. All of Israel will be saved. And let me read that to you. You think it's not in the Bible. Some that are maybe listening for the first time. Look at Romans 11. Romans 11. Verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. And most people are ignorant. They don't know anything about it. And then a lot that know about it will despise it, dispute about it, and reject it. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. That's the way a lot of the sovereign grace people are today. Wise in their own conceits. They don't believe what the Bible says. They got a better plan. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Now how any of these can say that the fullness of the Gentiles is in, I don't know. But Paul says until this happens, Israel is going to be partially blinded. But verse 26 says, And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant unto, the, unto, who? unto Israel when I shall take away their sins. And one day God is going to do that when they cry, weep, and moan when God reveals 
the Lord Jesus Christ as being their substitute redeemer. Okay? We'll finish up that parable. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. Many called, but few chosen. Even out of the group, even though they're sent into the vineyard, a lot go into the vineyard, grumble, gripe, work, only to be rejected. Why? Because they did not receive faith to believe. Why would they grumble? If they received the penny, if they received eternal life, why grumble? But you see, there are those there. There are those that are great pretenders. There's always the hypocrites. There's always those pretenders, and you want to see them, turn on your TV. Turn on your TV and watch the pretenders. Many be called, but few are chosen. Chosen are God's elect. They shall survive. Let's bow our heads. Father, we ask thy blessing upon this simple gospel message again tonight. As we talked about the marketplace, talked about the vineyard, and talked about the penny wages. Lord, grant us that penny tonight. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.